0: This is March 8th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Welcome to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Narinovsky. I hope you guys are having a great day, a great week. Hopefully you survived last week without me. Or maybe you went back and listened to an old Bruins Beat episode where you just sat in your room and cried and you're like, where's Bruins Beat? Where's Evan? No, Utah was fun. It was a good time. Uh, Definitely a nice little break mid-season. Never never a terrible thing to do. Um, And now that I'm back, we're less than two weeks from the trade deadline. All the talk everything we've talked about less than two weeks away. So we're getting into a very, very, very busy stretch of the season and the Bruins are starting to play really well. So there's no doubt that they are going to be going all in for this. just comes down to how how all in. And on this episode, I had on my good friend Connor Ryan of Boston Sports Journal, obviously. And uh, we discussed how the the strategy at the deadline might be changing for the Bruins. This might not be the same deadline strategy that we've kind of been kicking around since like December. This is... Something new, something changed on the road trip uh, before uh, this little homestand that might change the entire deadline. Uh, We also got into uh, Jeremy Swayman and how he's making a strong case to be the playoff starter. And then we also got into the Atlantic Division because there's one team, there's one team above the Bruins who's fallen a little bit. This is a team that's used to falling a little bit during season. So we got into that. Uh, as well as always, uh, today's episode is brought to you by our good friends over Bet Online. Use that promo code CLNS50 to get a 50 percent cash back on your first deposit. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up?
1: Evan, doing well. How you doing?
0: Doing great. Doing great for the Bruins beat listeners. I was in Utah. I said this in the intro. I was in Utah last week. So that's why people get a break. They got a break from Bruins beat for a week, which maybe some were really sad. Maybe some were pumped, you know, but it, it's tough. The Bruins were good during that time I was gone. So it's like, you know, I, I guess uh, they could have used a good upbeat Bruin, uh, Bruins beat episode. We're always doing negative ones. So, you know, maybe it's a good thing if it's a positive one. Um, yes, but at any rate, uh, how have you? How have you been? We have uh, we we did poke the bear last week, but how have you been uh, during this time away from me? How are, you, how are you handling yourself?
1: I I have survived, Evan. I missed you, but oh. you know it, you know all things considered, seems like you had a, a splendid time out in Utah. The Bruins were winning. I didn't have to like you know drive back and forth to like the garden every every other day, so that was good. Everyone won. Now at least the Bruins are back, which this point I'll, I'll take them back hopefully this kind of winning you know stretch they got on the road there translates back to home ice because you like to see the bruins get some momentum here down the stretch
0: everyone's winning you'll take them home you'll take them at home you know they're out so long so you know i guess they, i guess they can come home uh they can come home and succeed uh they played monday night again this is recorded before the game against the kings on monday i'm guessing it was a win Guessing now that's going to come back to me immediately. I will see if they if they lost, but I'm going to guess that they that they won. But uh terrific, terrific road trip. One of the better road trips they've had in recent seasons. They went everywhere. They ended in Columbus, which I think is funny that like they <laughs> how exactly how you want to cap in it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Loki. I've always thought about this about the Columbus uh, about Columbus. Loki, a lit environment. Like I've never been to yes. nationwide, but like it looks like a passionate fan base. They're always loud like it, it looks like a pretty good uh, place to watch a game and except for the cannon as um, long as you brace looks- yourself
1: for the cannon. Yeah, like yeah. that's the last thing you want. You want it firing off and you, you fly, you know, your popcorn flies like 10 rows back. You don't want that. But oh, yeah. no, yeah, it seems like yeah. a pretty fun environment for a, a market that maybe isn't traditional, but in terms of. Not just the fans there, but also a team that looked like maybe two, three years ago. You're like, all right, this team's going to be in the dumps for a while. You was like Panarin, Bobrovsky, those guys. And all of a sudden, you, you're you not running it back, but you've got a good young core to build off of moving forward. So it's a good organization over there.
0: They're responsible for the Lightning success. They, they knocked them out of the playoffs in four games, and they were like the greatest team ever. And then uh, they were the ones who went the five-overtime game and lost in the bubble against uh, Tampa. And then they went on to win two Stanley Cup since. So maybe we should be hating on Columbus a little bit more uh, than we are. Uh, but I think the biggest development of that road trip for me, and we'll get to Swayman later because he was outstanding, and I think we'll get to him in a bit. But to me, the biggest thing was your priority of the trade deadline up front may have changed It may have changed. It looks like it has changed in the sense that up until that road trip, it was they need a second line center. You know, they could use a winger. You know, what can you get for Debrusque? See what you can get there, but they need a second line center. And the big thing to come out of this road trip for me was your third line work. Charlie Coyle next to Craig Smith. That seems like they want to keep Smith next to Coyle. Smith started scoring a ton at the end. Again, that road trip was so good. You got hat tricks out of Debrusque, (laughs) Craig Smith, Eric Paula had eight points. So your third line seems to be working. Not maybe, can't hard to say long term, but it works for now. Your second line with Hall and Pasternak is really connecting. Halla is working in between them. So it really comes down to the first line right wing spot. It feels like that's now kind of the 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 move to make.
1: Yeah, no, especially if Jake DeBrusque is the guy that's going to be moving out, right? And I we've talked about this before. I believe we discussed it on Poke the Bear that, yeah, you could keep Jake DeBrusque uh, past the deadline if you don't really feel like you have an offer that's worth moving him for. But what happens if you get past March 21st and he's still here and he's upset or dragging his feet? Because, again, he, this is a guy who thought he was probably going to get moved in November, December, and he's still hit past the deadline. Um, and if he's ineffective in that spot down the stretch – which you would hope wouldn't be the case. You'd hope he, you know, more or less just rolls with the punches, finishes strong, and really maximizes his value before a new contract drops this summer. But uh, if he's not effective down the stretch, all of a sudden you got this huge vacancy there. So, you know, I definitely think if if they're intent on moving to Brusque and it's a a certainty that he's going, then I think you can't just deal him for – let's say, a package deal for, you know, a guy, let's say, let's just say Hurdle. Like, they move him in a, with a first and some guys for Hurdle, and there's just a insert winger here, there on that top line. Like, you can't really have that. And again, it's not to say that the Bruins maybe have to go out and get a 30-goal score, or they need to get Brock Besser, or, you know, Connor Golland, or something like that. Like, even if it's, I don't want to say like Marcus Johansson, because I think now with Seattle, he's his game's dropped a bit. But a guy like that, right? A guy who a few years ago was good for 15 goals, 35, 40 points. Put him with Bergeron and Martian. It's going to be a pretty good line. You don't have to worry too much about that. So if they are intent on moving to Brusque, I think you do have to get some winger in that spot that shores up that that area of the, the lineup. Because as you said, Sure. Craig Smith could slot up, but if I'm the Bruins and I'm Bruce Cassidy, I'm not touching that third line at all. Like don't, no. don't even go near it. So I, I think it's all going to come down to, I think, whether or not they got a good offer for DeBrusque and they're intent on moving him. Cause that's kind of the, the first domino to fall. And if, you know, we get to March 21st and their teams are still lowballing the Bruins, they don't want to move him. Then you can kind of shift gears a little bit, but if DeBrusque is definitely going, you need to find someone to, to slot into that spot because you can't have all of a sudden a, a question mark there on a line that should be your go-to line going to the playoffs.
0: Yes. And that's sort of the thing. Again, it's got to be a go-to line. And even, I mean, we mentioned this on poke the bear with the It was, you know, should do the Bruins actually have to trade to brusque? And we both kind of were like, hmm, be smart too, you know, because again, it, it comes down to, you want a guy there who you can rely on and, And there have been a few names that have been thrown around again as right side wingers who uh, might not cost a ton. I know Connor Garland would cost a a little bit. Uh, Brock Besser, kind of the same thing. Uh, One name that gets tossed about is Phil Kessel out in Arizona. Everyone loves to go back to feel the thrill. But the reality is he's won before. You're, You're putting him with Bergeron and Marchand. If you just want him to produce, the guy's pretty damn consistent. And he's not going to cost you that much. So Kessel, I'm not completely out on. I think a lot of people just kind of go, oh, Phil Kessel. I don't think Kessel's as bad as people uh, say he is. But there's a better name. Uh, And Fluto actually mentioned this in The Athletic uh, on Monday morning. Oliver Bjorkstrand in Columbus. If they decide to sell, that'd be a pretty good ad. Again, he's, I believe he's under contract for the next four seasons after this one. Uh, with 27 million over the course of that time, so around little over five and a half per, or, or little over five per, which isn't cheap. But again, he's he's consistently producing. He has uh 19 goals, 20 assists this season. He's a Consistent producer. If you can go out and get a guy like Bjorkstrand, again, he's not cheap. So you're not giving. He's not like he doesn't have this great contract that you're gonna have to give up. You know more prospects and assets for that could be a doable thing if Columbus decides to sell.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think those are the kind of guys you're looking for is guys either under term or, you know, a guy like Bjorkstrand, a guy like Gallen, someone who you can slot up to that top line and not have to worry about it for. Oh, I guess you have to worry about it if Patrice Bergeron retires. Right. But let's say just if he comes (laughs) back next year, if you go into uh, the, the coming years and it's all about, I think we've talked about it both on this podcast and poke the bear. I don't think the Bruins, even if they don't really know what Bergeron's doing, they're not looking to, all right, Bergeron's retired. We got to have a fire sale. We're blowing it up. I think it's very much they're looking at trying to bridge that gap between kind of these two generations of, you know, sooner or later, it's going to be McAvoy's team and Pasternak's team. And it's all about kind of finding those guys that you can pencil in long term to support kind of that core you have in place. So, whether it's a guy like Bjorkstrand, whether it's a guy like uh, Golland, we, we can talk about, you know, 2C, about how much of a priority that is. But that's why I think they're looking at, even though he's a rental, a guy like Hurdle who you hope to acquire and sign long term because that's a, that's your 2C or your 1C two, three years down the road. So if you're the Bruins, you don't have to, to fret about, you know, uh, shoring up that right side where you got. Pasternak and Bjorkstrand or Garland or what have you. It's pretty good. And when you add in the fact that you've got Lysell coming through the system and who knows, maybe a, a year or two, I, I'd probably imagine they want to have him, you know, learn the ropes in Providence for a good amount for he's a viable guy. Like I think people should probably pump the brakes a little bit there. But if you're all set with a guy like Bjorkstrand or Garland, you're doing pretty well for yourself in terms of getting ready and bridging that gap for this next kind of core moving forward.
0: And Garland's a local dude, so it's another local guy. It makes plenty of sense, doesn't it? It Makes perfect sense. And Bjorkstrand, Bjork, our honors Bjork was here, so it's like
1: this connection. Two wins, there's there's
0: connections. You know what you're getting in those guys. Um, But speaking of two C's, it came out actually Monday afternoon. Elite Friedman on Thirty Two uh, Thoughts podcast. I was talking about Claude Giroux. Good old Claude Giroux. And said, I don't know about Colorado in this one. I still think they're around, uh, but I wonder if they're looking elsewhere. I think the Bruins probably kicked tires on this. I think the Rangers have kicked tires on this. Now it's interesting because Giroux has no term after this year, um, and he could easily go back to Philly like right after next, uh, right after this season. He could go back. Uh, you don't really know what he's going to end up doing. Uh, still very, still a very effective center. And again, if he's your two C, that's very good. But I think it's going to take a haul to get Giroux. And I also think again, it's just a, it's a it's a half season thing. So again, I think if if Bergeron was to retire and at the end of this year, if we knew that, and then on top of that, you knew that you probably might have to rebuild after Bergeron, Giroux actually wouldn't be a terrible thing. You just go, you know what? We're we're throwing all our chips on the table for this final season and go for it. But again, they're not going to be rebuilding after this because you still have Marshan and Swayman and McAvoy and Pasternak and all these guys. You're kind of low down the middle. Giroud doesn't really bolster that depth long term down the middle. It feels like Giroud's probably not going to be the case, even though this is getting talked up a bit now.
1: Yeah, it's kind of a tough scenario to map out with Giroud because you look at it, you know, it depends on what lens you're looking at it through, right? Are you looking at just the short term of this year, which Drew's a damn good player and would help them out tremendously? And you could even make the argument that his versatility would actually help you quite a bit because let's say, you know, obviously Drew is probably more well-known as a center, but he can also play on the wing as well. So if Eric Hall is still rolling through and that line is still producing and you put Drew with Bergeron and Marchand, oh. pretty good. Like, and if, and if it doesn't work. work out and if it doesn't work out and Hall is slows down, which I think is what, even though we're pretty encouraged with what he's put forth so far in that second line, if he does slow down, Jeru centering Hall and Pasternak isn't that bad either, right? So I mean, your bases are kind of covered for this year if you get Jeru, who is still a, a fantastic talent and a guy that we motivated to win, um, and it falls in line with kind of this short term window you have. It's just about whether or not you want to give up what's going to be a first and probably a, a top prospect. I don't know if like Lysel would be the guy, but still valuable capital uh, and assets on your team for a guy that is maybe here for just for this half season, right? Like a guy who could very well go back to um, to Philly or go somewhere else. And he's not really a long-term building block, right? He's what, I think 35, 34, Giroux, so. Uh,
0: 34, yeah, thirty four yeah. years old.
1: So, I mean, it's one of those ones where, it definitely helps you out this year. It makes plenty of sense within the next couple of months, but when you compare it to why they're looking at guys with term like Bjork Strand or, or Golland or looking at a guy like hurdle who granted you have to sign, he's a rental technically, but the rationale, if you're trading for a guy like hurdle, it's you're signing him long-term. Like that's the risk is that it's very much a, a short, short-term gain for um, a situation long-term where the, I think Bruins, yeah, exactly <laughs> where the Bruins I think are really trying to stay focused on, not maximizing, but extending this contention window and bridging that gap. I don't know if Drew fits into it. So it's not going to be a situation where let's say we get to March 21st and, you know, hurdle resigns with San Jose or you're not getting Chickren, which I don't think you're getting anyway. Cause I still think the cost is going to be ridiculous Insane. for him, right? Like, I, yeah. I don't think you're getting those guys. I don't think JT Miller's moving. If the Bruins are like, well, I guess we have to take Claude Giroux, who's still like on, you know, <laughs> putting up a point per game, still a, a motivated veteran guy to this team, pretty good. Like that is a great move. It's just for the Bruins, it's getting that priority of, you know, what how you want to approach this. Cause I think ideally they want the best of both worlds, right? Where you get an impact guy that helps you out this year and you build for the future. But all depends on what the prices are and who's available uh you know in the days leading up to March twenty first.
0: Easier said than done, but it does feel like Giroux's a guy who, unless I'm forgetting anyone, is probably the biggest difference maker in this deadline, short term, for this season. Like, you're getting Giroux, there's no doubt about it, he comes in your lineup, and as you said, he fills a million holes and he produces immediately. I don't know if there's a guy who's more of a sure bet. Uh, I mean, Hurdle maybe, but again, Jeru's done it for so long. He's been through so many battles that it feels like Giroux would be a guy who, again, that's why Colorado makes so much sense. Just put your chips to the table. And 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 see what happens with a guy like Giroux um, because again I mean he's just so stellar um, safe bet that he's going to come in and produce rare very, very safe bet but we're talking really safe bets we talk about our good friends over at Bet Online football might be over for the season but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops from all the latest odds totals player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land that's always a fun one Bet Online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit to use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. And it's not just bet online is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC. It's the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games and use that promo code CLNS50. Online, where the game starts, where the game starts. Speaking of basketball, man, March is heating up. March Madness is coming right around the corner. It's fun times, March Madness is up. I love March Madness, I get all excited. You do the brackets, it's one, you know, it's, it's, it's
1: one of the best sports days of the year, I would say. Is the first, like maybe even the first two oh. days, but in terms of like you know. Opening day for, you know, whatever your favorite sport is. Opening day for baseball is always great, which R I D there. One, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> like especially, yeah, like the first few days of March Madness is, is right up there in terms of being just a splendid sporting day.
0: Con you're a few years older than me, but I think this still applies to you. Uh I remember the best part was in high school and college, the first day, because March Madness lands Thursday, I believe is like a Thursday. Um, and Thursday and Friday and then Saturday, Sunday, I think that's the first round or first and second round. But anyways, <laughs> that's the days with the most things. And I remember in college, I would sit there with a laptop in class watching a bunch of the games. Same with high school, because I would have like, you, you'd have like a chill history class. And the history teacher was always like the coolest. And had like put on a game in the background as he taught. And I'd be like, you're the coolest. <laughs> it's a like Great Higgins, Depression. Like, Hell no, yeah. no one cares. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let them eat cake we, we know, you know the story. We know the story. We know how this uh, this ends and how it begins. Uh, but it was always the best. Like, you get to watch all the games, and it's just one after the other. And you can watch it all over at NCAA.com. So, boom. Crazy. Shameless plug right there. Uh, but yeah, March Madness is going to be very, very, very exciting. Uh, and you got me all uh, sad about baseball opening day because MLB opening day is like the best. I had
1: to twist the knife um, there, Evan. Sorry.
0: Right in. Right in. That's always such a fun day. And. This year, that won't be happening until like May. You know, it'll be like oh, Bruins game one in the playoffs.
1: Happy, happy Flag Day, Evan. You're ready for first
0: pitch. <laughs> Can't wait. Um, that's a whole dumpster fire. Uh, but things are not something that's not a dumpster fire that we were worried might be. Uh, who's going to be starting United for the Bruins in the playoffs? That is the big question. Uh, and it felt like the other big development over this uh, good road trip was Jeremy Swayman to start to kind of assert his dominance. Bruce Casty was asked about it. Uh, he's probably going to play a little bit more uh, down the stretch than Olmark. I think that's kind of the right move because again, you got to stick someone. You kind of have to commit to someone a little bit and get Swayman in the the group playing every game because that's how it would most likely be in the playoffs. Um, do you think Swayman's kind of the guy for uh, for the postseason at least right now?
1: Yeah, i I think so. And you look at kind of this goaltending situation, and we talked about this. Back in the fall, in terms of how complicated and messy, <laughs> yes, quite a bit. We talked you know, about just how complicated and messy this whole goaltending situation is was going to be going into the year, and now you're at a, a spot where it seems like everything's working out not the way they envisioned it. They envisioned Tuka Rask was going to be healthy, but in terms of putting themselves in the best spot, getting ready for the playoffs, you've got Jeremy Swayman, who's really turned a corner uh, ever since Rask retired, and is looking like. The same guy that stormed onto the scene last year. I mean, looks like a legit number one goalie. A guy who really doesn't get phase, even though he didn't maybe have his best game on Saturday against Columbus. Still battled through. Still made a couple of like crazy great saves. He had that crazy stop on Line A, like, yeah. like four seconds to go. Which like if they won that game in regulation, would have been like, oh my god! Like and then I was course, about I think- to
0: clip it, and then they scored, yeah. and I was like, I'm not the gonna Never mind. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs>
1: um. But but you look at that. Like he you know he. Fights through that, and it's one thing Cassidy's talked about all the time with Swayman. It's even if he has a, a game where he kind of falls back to earth, he doesn't really let it snowball. He kind of just rolls with the punches and battles back, which is impressive to see. So, Bruins, you have to be ecstatic that Swayman's kind of you know rounding into his own and looking like a number one guy. But also, you're having a situation where uh, we'll see how a guy like Olmark, you know, responds and battles through this because I think from the Bruins, a team that has always talked about, you know, internal competition, how that drives uh, goalie tandems. And you've seen it with Rask and Hudobin and Rask and Halak and all these other guys. Like um, if Olmark sees, you know, swimming getting on a roll here and sets, you know, battling through and and putting up stronger numbers, it benefits everyone. It'd be a great problem to have if both of them are playing at a high level. I still think probably swimming as the inside tracker now, I think you'd have to see their numbers, you know, flip more or less in terms of their production to kind of switch that, you know, number one status that Swayman has. But again, I think that's what the Bruins are envisioning here is you've got Swayman at a high level and Allmark is responding to it and hopefully elevating his game as he sees Swayman kind of maybe not running away is probably the, the, the not the right term for it, but he's establishing establishing himself in kind of short order to get that number one spot.
0: I mean, again, he was February rookie of the month, could have even been you know, goalie yeah. of the month. Um, but it's funny, you know, Omark's going to establish some, kind of try to cut back on some of that playing time. Maybe when they do the post-game hug, he'll like pull out a thing of scissors and like clip the back of his uh, his pads. Oh, your pads? Oh, pass- oh I, I, I guess I got to go in. I guess I got to go in for a period or something like that. Uh, but it does feel like Swayman. we've talked about this um, off the air. It feels like Swayman's a guy who could get like super hot in the playoffs. Like one of those guys who could just go just sicko mode and just, you know, go bananas uh, down the stretch. It feels like he's kind of a guy who has that like inherent trait in him, you know, and he had it at Maine. That's for sure. He had it at Maine and he had it at the, at the NHL level for certain spurts, the regular season. I'm so curious. Again, I think the most interesting thing to watch when it comes to the postseason is how he does in a series. Cause again, we saw him briefly against the Islanders. Uh, and I believe it was a like game five. Uh, yeah. We saw him for like a period, uh, I think in the third Um so, again, I'm so interested to see how he holds up in a playoff series. Um, and, I, again, I'm also interested to see how Omar responds to this stuff. Like, again, like Omar has not looked great over the past month, but he did have – I believe it was – was it January that Omar was was pretty good in? He went on a run at some point that he was, it was very, like a 920
1: – I think from December 1st through maybe right around when Rask retired. So it was like a month, maybe like five-week stretch. I think he had like a 921 save percentage. So pretty good. Yeah.
0: Like, Pretty good. Again, like I do think both of them are streaky-ish. And if you can kind of hit the right spot with that, you're cooking. So interesting stuff. And I do think um Swayman is starting to uh run away with it. You know what's you know who's not running away with anything is the Toronto is Maple Leafs. Oh the Toronto Maple Leafs. So the first time in a long time all season the Atlantic is actually kind of tightening up. Right now, uh, as we record this on Monday, the Bruins are two points behind uh, Toronto, which, again, was not in the cards even a month ago. Uh, now it very much is that the Bruins could overtake um, for that third spot in the Atlantic. Toronto, who could have seen this coming? I, I It's pretty crazy. I, I've never seen a Toronto team do this before. So I, for one, am shocked that this is, that this is how it's going. Uh, it doesn't feel like they've learned from any of their mistakes in the past, has it?
1: No, and it's one of those ones where again, you looked at how good like guys like Campbell were playing at the start of the year, but it's the same thing. I mean, look at Freddie Anderson right now who would you get to the playoffs and be completely out of gas because they rode him the entire year. and you know, I'm sure he benefits from being Carolina where they've got a better defense and they you know get the puck out quickly and they they don't spend a whole lot of time in their own zone. but look at just how his game is translated getting out of Toronto. and now you've got a situation where it seems like Campbell's out of gas. I don't know if Peter Morozik's the guy you want to trust. I don't think, a oh, Maple he's fan and the Bruins play Peter Morozik in the playoffs. uh, he's got a bit of a track record too. Would not be great. So, I mean, yeah, it's, I don't even know how you fix that team without moving one of their top guys, just because in terms of the cap restraint, in terms of where, how many avenues you really have to, to improve that overall roster. Like you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hot place with that team. Cause I mean, they're, Ridiculously talented. We all know that, but you're not going it, it's not just even one thing where it's like, they're still missing that like number one defenseman or what have you. It's like, you can't stay afloat. If your goaltending giving you like eight, eight, five, save percentage over like a, more like a three, four week span. Now it's not a winning formula. I would say I'm not a, I am not a would not say I'm a hockey expert here, Evan, but usually eight eight no. five save percentage is not, it's not what you're looking for. I would say.
0: It's not what you want. It's not what you want. I also just think the defense in front of him is not great. Like Carolina's, I think part of the, you mentioned it, you hit on it, like Freddie Anderson down in Carolina, the defense is much better. The team is much better. It's also built better. You know, they're not super top heavy with contracts. Um, but even this, I mean, again, like Michael Bunting has been good. Andre Kocher has been um, yeah. great. So like you're getting contributions from lower in the lineup. It's just like, you again, like you're spending too much on Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Nylander. And then on D again, I just Morgan Riley's cool, you know, he's he off, super offensive and all that stuff. But around him, I mean, Muzzin's been on the IR for a bit. Just I mean, again, and, like, and,
1: and Riley's not a good defensive guy anyway. Too, like, he, no. you, you're well aware of what you're getting with him, so he's not the guy you build your decor around.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, that that would be. I maybe I'm wrong about this, but I think I'm right. That would be like if you built your defense around like Tory Krug. And again, Krug might even be a little bit better defensively. Yeah. And again, like, I think Kruger was also a much better defensive system here. Um, but again, a guy like Riley leading your D? Not really. No. And again, I just, I, I look at that team and the way they're built, and it just goes to show you that you you actually do need to invest in defensemen. That is a thing you need to do. And that's why it wouldn't surprise me. I don't I don't know their cap situation off the top of my head, uh, but I believe Muzzin is still on uh, IR, correct? Yeah, it feels like I believe they're are in the LTIR firm.
1: range, so...
0: Yes. So I would not be surprised to see them add another defenseman or just another average defenseman at the deadline who they're going to pipe up. All the media up there is going to say that, you know, Mark Giordano is still, you know, a, a, a top pairing left shot defenseman or John Klingberg. Um, who's went the other home. defenseman? <laughs> Lindholm. Yeah, that home. was the one that we said he, we, they were going to get and uh, he was going to become, you know, the savior up in Toronto. So um, wouldn't be surprised to see the Bruins pass them. Uh, that would probably put them in range to play Florida or Tampa in the first round, which yeah, pick, pick doesn't, really, doesn't really, doesn't help. Uh, I don't think that like, really helps your playoff positioning at all. Um, but Hey, the higher I get, the, the higher you get, maybe the better. Again, I said that my big prediction was that you're going to upset Florida in the first round. I, yes. I would not be surprised to see that happen. So if, if, if it gets you to play Florida, great. Like, I just think if you play Tampa, you're done. And that it's, there's nothing you can really do. So I would much, whatever helps you get to play Florida, you find a way to do, because uh, again, the track record on Tampa is just uh, too big. And same with Toronto playing you in the first round, like I don't think they want, I still don't think they want to play you in the first round, just given the track record. But uh, anyways, that is this week's Bruins beat uh, Connor. Uh, what, before you go, uh, what would you like to plug? What can people look forward to over at Boston sports? Journal?
1: Yeah, we'll have uh, plenty of coverage uh, leading up to the trade deadline. We had another story we dropped today exploring uh, Brock Besser trade and why I thought there should be a uh, buyer beware tag for a guy like him, even though he seems like it make a lot of sense as a potential 30-goal guy. Look a little have bit a deeper. Deep yeah, yeah, exactly. Look a little bit deeper into his stats. A little uh, cause for concern there. So we'll do a couple more of those mm. breakdowns. I'm sure we'll probably explore uh, Giroux as a possibility, possibility later this week. So... All that stuff will be over at BostonSportsJournal.com, so subscribe over at BSJ. Want to follow me on Twitter? You can do that at Ryan underscore 93.
0: Go do all that. For Stillness Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Brunsby listeners have a great rest of your week.